scheduling has become the bane of my existence these days. Brought to you by iLand, this is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we've brought together a panel of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bytes in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about how cloud platforms can be more accessible through simplification and automation. My name is Brian Knutson, cloud technologist for iLand, and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a cross-country representation of accessibility experts. Let's start with having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important about the accessibility of cloud infrastructure. This is Ron Singler. Uh, I'm a chief technologist with VMware, and I've been working in the, the cloud industry for roughly 10 years or so. But as we all know, cloud is prevalent today. And as customers and companies look to move towards the hybrid cloud, whether that's multiple public cloud vendors or a mixture of public and private cloud, their environments become very complex, so much so that there are now new companies actually allowing customers to utilize the same command set across public cloud vendors or private cloud vendors. As you know, network commands in AWS are completely different than network commands in Azure. So there there are companies out there that are actually aiming to simplify that process. So accessibility is important and it's something that we all work to simplify on a daily basis. My name is Eric Lee. I'm a lead technology architect for one of the largest health information technology solutions and services companies based in Kansas City. I spend a lot of my time working with our application development teams on how to access and manage and architect our solutions within both private and public clouds. Working with our application teams, the biggest challenge for them is having the ability to easily work with the different services that are out there, both the public and the private cloud, while being able to manage and maintain that at scale with which we deploy solutions at. It becomes very challenging when you're looking across a broad set of solutions to be able to get that information and consume it and use it to be able to operationalize your applications. Hi, I'm Kim Delgado. I'm an architect on the advanced customer engagement team, which is now part of what used to be global services. We're now called customer experience at VMware. So my job is to work with some of our largest, most strategic customers, helping them with their vRealize suite deployments and upgrades, architectures, etc. And we also help them out when they are doing POCs and even potentially running into challenges with their environments. And obviously, I focus a lot on VMware's automation tools, but having the ability to have a common interface to be able to deploy and manage their workloads in both on-premises as well as in their public clouds is really critical. And as Ron was saying, having that common API, common UI for being able to 
manage those things is really critical because right now what's happening is all of the different clouds are becoming different silos of expertise. So someone who's an expert in AWS isn't necessarily going to be able to take those skills and apply them to other types of clouds because there's so many differences. So being able to provide a common platform that can leverage both the unique aspects, the unique features of those different clouds, as well as being able to build constructs that can be applied to all of the clouds is really critical. Thank you all for joining me. So how accessible an infrastructure's management is can be a major contributor to an IT team success. This can be especially true in the cloud when they don't have direct access to the infrastructure. Two aspects that make an interface more accessible are simplification and automation. Now, we've talked a little bit about that already, and that concept of creating a single pane of glass for infrastructure management is oftentimes viewed as the ultimate goal of simplification. But those of us that have tried to do it know it's particularly difficult to actually achieve. Eric, I want to start with you and get your perspective as to why it's so important for customers to be able to at least reduce the number of interfaces they have to deal with. Sure. Being able to operationalize large-scale sets of infrastructure is very challenging in the fact that there are so many integration points now compared to there was 25 years ago that a lot of times we need to be able to see what's happening in between those two sets of infrastructure to be able to quickly determine where the root cause is for what's failing or what's about to fail. So the goal is to get a quote-unquote single pane of glass. And I think that's always been the aha that you're trying to get to, but we've never really been able to achieve that anywhere I've ever been. And that's primarily because the constant shifting of technology. As you're incorporating APIs into this environment to get this information or that information, something else is shifting or the team changes who's in charge of this or who's monitoring that. So we're constantly changing what those panes of glass looks like. And more or less what we're doing more often than anything else is we're customizing what that pane of glass looks like for each team instead of having a quote unquote single pane of glass for all of the infrastructure. I completely agree. It's complexity causes headaches, right? And things have only become more complex with every layer of abstraction that we've added to our infrastructure. Now, what are we at? we're at the third or fourth layer of abstraction with Kubernetes uh, nowadays. It just continues to add more complexity. And we're just simply attempting to hide the problem, I think. But nowadays, folks just now coming into IT, they're used to their smartphones. They're used to really what I, I think a lot of people call the consumerization of IT. They just want things to work, right? They hit a button and it, it just works. You know, we tried to solve a lot of that. Uh, if I really date myself back to the beginning days of SNEA with all of the storage platforms, right? With storage resource management that was going to create this single pane of glass for all of the storage vendors no matter what you know, storage array you were running. And it worked, kind of, until the storage vendors realized, <laughs> oh, we can make money by keeping our APIs proprietary and not letting anybody use them. So that was, I think, the downfall of that. And we've just tried to adjust on that 
in my world, in the storage world, uh, ever since, it seems like. Well, I was happy to see that you spelled pain correctly in the list of questions. <laughs> it's definitely P-A-I-N when you're talking about a single pane of glass for all of the reasons that both Ron and Eric talked about, right? It feels or seems like it should be utopia. It seems like an unachievable goal most of the time. Yeah. And that's, you know, a couple things there. Ron, I really like what you said about the balance between this goal of having a single API or single interface across every vendor fighting against that need to differentiate and wanting to have that special sauce that makes you better than your competitor don't always work well together. And that's if you look back in history of IT, that's a constant struggle that keeps going on back and forth. How much of it do we we want to keep to ourselves and how much do we want to introduce as part of a standardization so that things work together across multiple vendors and devices? I think it is a really important aspect of what's gotten us where we are and a good way to look into where things are going to go in the future. And from the customer side, we want that differentiation, right? Because then we can test and and pick products that meet what we'd like to do. From our side, we prefer things that we can easily get to and figure out, you know, those interfaces and those APIs. I don't care if there's multiple panes of glass to go to to get to them, as long as they're easy to get to, quick to get to, and quick to figure out versus, you know, some of the interfaces that we've seen, you know, 15, 20 years ago, where you've got to have a degree to find anything in there. So as long as they're easy to get to, or there's an API that I can query and I can use when I need to, then we're completely happy with multiple panes, multiple access points multiple stuff like that. Yeah. And that's putting the onus on you as a customer to then kind of create that single pane of glass, which at some levels is completely unavoidable. Because like you said, every customer has different needs. And I also like the point that you made before about different groups within a customer sometimes need different perspectives of things. So at some level, you can't expect anybody to build that for you is, I guess, maybe a, a good way to summarize that. 100%. What we do here is we pretty much dump all of our statistics and all of our information into a data lake. And it's a large amount we put into it every day. And then each team that's managing or monitoring certain aspects of the infrastructure, of the application, of the operating systems or whatever, they can build their own panes of glass, their own entry point in there and monitor and manage what they need to based off of that data in that data lake. Yeah, that's really interesting. Island does something very similar with all of the systems that we have running our platform. We create a single data lake that has all the data points or has integrations to pull the data points on demand out of the original subsystems that we can then use to do analytics and capacity planning and things like that. So it's something we've had to build as well, because again, we can't expect anyone to build it the way that we need to use it. Yeah. And we use it cross groups. So like the infrastructure group can go look at, hey, what are all my networking doing across multiple segmented network fabrics, right? They can get that information. And at the same time, the teams that are managing our client deployed applications, which land in multiple networks, multiple infrastructure, they can go write a page that shows where everything's at for their client and the performance metrics across these disparate systems, all from that same place. I do feel like it's, to some extent, the responsibility of the vendors, though, to at least provide some sort of integration 
amongst their own tools as much as possible and their own products. I think that that's one of the challenges that we've had in the past that is getting better, I hope. I'm not sure. I'd be curious what your guys' perspective is from a customer and provider. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I've been using VMware since 2006. I've been using Microsoft. I've been using, you know, a lot of different solutions. And it is a major challenge to have that seamless usability of it, especially when you get into like an AWS or a GCP or an Azure console where I can create tags in one place and then utilize them in a different service and they're just there and it works. Whereas in other systems, there are separate tagging environments or they have separate monitoring or I deploy this solution and now I got to go get a third party monitoring plugin in order to even be able to look at it. So it's gotten better over the years, but I think there's still a lot of work with a lot of applications and a lot of solutions that are being presented across the market on a consumer side on premises that need to grow in their maturity on that side of the house. Agreed. So as customers are looking at either off-the-shelf buying solutions that help to simplify the environment or building their own solutions that help simplify the environment to them, there's a give and take in there as well within a single system. And so, Ron, does simplifying that interface, you know, trying to reduce the amount of effort that needs to go into managing a system, does it always require reducing the control the customers have? And if there is some give and take there, which tends to be the most important that customers should lean towards? Yeah, so I don't think it necessarily requires us to reduce control. I think some vendors have made the decision to reduce control that's available to the customers, while others haven't. My personal take is that for any vendor, they should always work to simplify the UI or the default interface, whatever that may be for the end user. But the end user should have access whether it's via CLI or API or something, to all of the features that a product provides. And not necessarily features, as Eric mentioned earlier, also statistics from the environment as well, right? To be able to gather information on specific metrics from their environment. So, you know, I think that if a vendor does decide to reduce some control, they definitely need to speak to a broad swath of their potential customers or existing customers and not just one vertical or one specific type of customer, whether it be enterprise or SMB, speak to a large swath of customers across those different verticals or type of customer so that they can provide the features that they need the most. Uh, You know, you and I both worked for a vendor that decided to reduce some of the control that customers had via the UI, but still gave all of the access via CLI so the customers could still programmatically manage the systems. So I think that was whenever we explained that to customers during the sales process, they understood it, right? Our mission was to help simplify their life, but still give them all of the control that they would like to have if they decided to do so. Yeah. And that's exactly a big part of why I think we both chose that particular company was the fact that it was, you know, they calculated what are the things customers really don't want to deal with and let's eliminate those pieces while still giving them access to manage the pieces that they do matter. 
And a lot of times, you know, we see new technologies come out and over time, they kind of come to a normative space where 90% of all the use cases exist within this fairly narrow range. Let's just cut out the extraneous tops and bottoms. And that makes it much easier to automate and make assumptions, thereby reducing the complexity of how to configure it. I mean, storage is a great example of that we've seen, you know, we're no longer creating disk groups, for example. You know, that's really high end storage these days, lower and medium tier, and even in some of the higher end storage, we're not dealing with that like we used to, which I think is great because it gives you less control, but it does make it so much easier to get in a right up and running and working the way it should. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, no matter how many customers we talk to, if we can simplify their life, yes, they're going to be happy, but, and there's a big pause there, there will (laughs) always be somebody that wants to engineer or architect the solution, right? They want to be able to turn all the knobs. I think if you build everything from scratch, like most vendors are doing, and you start with that API or management interface and developing that in a programmatic fashion, that'll definitely help you succeed in the long run. We Realize Operations actually did this a couple of years ago, if you recall, where they used to have this massive list of different metrics that they collected and in a major release, cut that significantly to make it simpler to manage and easier for our administrators to understand what they were collecting. And at the same time, they were still able to deliver you know, much of the same information. I think that was an important step in making that tool significantly more usable and configurable. Definitely. This is a fun topic because... I can picture back into my past where I would just crave to have some of these solutions where I could reduce the amount of time somebody else on a team made a change that negatively affected it, and that wouldn't be allowed. That being said, I believe everybody wants to have the vendor control the solution and make it very easy to run and manage and upgrade and do all that. And they'd love that until there's a time when they want to change an option, which isn't allowed. And then they get all upset. (laughs) It seems like where I work, we like to nerd knob the crap out of everything. So we have a heavy operational overhead and we think that we're awesome because we're all so smart and we've made this thing work great. And then we can't ever upgrade and we lose out on new functionality because we've done that. And trying to balance the two is very, very hard for us. And trying to work with our vendors to achieve that is hard as well because like you guys mentioned, the vendor is looking at a, they've got to be able to have enough use case for it to be able to do it instead of just us. So it's a huge dynamic that kind of goes back and forth. And I personally love to be able to have a solution that if I can upgrade it, you know, 12, 13, 14 times a year and I have the ability to do it and I get those new features more quickly, I'm willing to reduce the amount of nerd knobbing I can do if I know those features are going to come down the pipeline quicker and it's going to be more stable and all of that stuff. It's been a challenge with the systems that we've tested that are more like that, that we actually get the stability and the features in a fast enough pipeline for us to do it, to be able to take those on. That's a really interesting point. There's always a balance between taking new code drops and new updates. I mean, even from an engineering perspective, right? The ability to 
both produce fixes as well as new features rapidly and get them out to customers safely versus the amount of testing that's required and being able to do those frequent updates is always a massive balancing act. So I'd like to move on to the other major aspect that I mentioned around making clouds more accessible. Kim, specifically with you, you're a big advocate around automation. That's kind of what you live and breathe these days. So I assume you're a big fan of APIs like we've already talked about. How important should a solid API be to customers and what should they be looking for as they're evaluating cloud providers' APIs? Well, obviously, I think APIs are extremely critical, especially for customers like Eric, where they, again, love to nerd knob everything, right? But you need a well-structured, well-documented API, and you know it needs to be able to be versionable, backwards compatible. There needs to be you know deprecation time built in to give customers time to make changes if the API does change, and it just needs to be stable. So I think it's incredibly critical. And shifting to an API-first development methodology has been really beneficial to some of our products. We still have a lot of products where the APIs, you know, we know they fall short because in the fairly distant past, but some of this is carried over as um, technical debt, you know, the API was developed after the core product and the core UI. And most of our engineering teams now have shifted that focus. Yeah, that's been an amazing move in this industry, in my opinion. I agree. Thank Amazon for that. (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree with Kim there. We've had some challenges with certain vendors that in a minor upgrade, you know, a sub-release upgrade will deprecate API calls that we've been using for a while and there's nothing in the release notes. There's no notice that it's coming or they will change the names inside of the API calls. So they're there, but they just change the naming scheme of it and stuff right in the middle of like patch releases. And it is awful when you've got a lot of automation, you've got a lot of reporting, you've got a lot of, you know, operations centers who are using that for production data, you know, that people's lives may be at stake in a hospital, you know, healthcare situation that we can't get that information all of a sudden on an upgrade. So having vendors follow API standards is at most importance to us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think there are too many customers nowadays that from a medium to large size that aren't using the APIs in some fashion or another. So I think it just makes it all the more critical. And it it just allows them to accomplish more complex workflows, right? Since we're simplifying the UI, they can still do all their complex nerd knobbing in the APIs. So exactly, definitely a great thing. Well, that was an awesome conversation. A few of the things I learned, you know, number of integration points as we introduce more things into our infrastructures, more components, particularly as we're making calls to potentially third-party interfaces, introduce a lot more places that errors can occur and could exponentially make it more difficult to provide reliable services which really is leading, I think, a big part towards the simplification as a key requirement to a lot of companies, trying to make it easier to deal with all these different components and that they integrate themselves in a way, or by using the HCI approach of saying, we're going to make them all one system so that there isn't technically integration points in between them. But on the other hand, too much simplification across different vendors can reduce that differentiation, which customers really need. Having been a customer myself in the past, 
running the POC of three different things head to head, how does it fit our use case? Which one is going to best meet our needs? was a major part of making the decision. If they all look the same, then it becomes a race to the bottom for price, which you know we've seen in multiple parts of our industry at this point already. But when it comes down to truly simplifying these interfaces, customers are most likely going to need to create some of their own single panes of glass so that they can get exactly what they need, especially when you consider different teams within a single customer needing different viewpoints of things. That means that we're going to be heavily dependent on vendors providing the accessibility of their data to their customers directly through things like APIs and other interfaces that allow us as consumers of those devices or those clouds to be able to combine that on our own. And just because an interface gets simplified doesn't mean that we've lost control, but it definitely could. And hopefully the vendors are making the right decisions on what to eliminate from their UIs in order to provide that simplification. But ultimately, again, APIs come to the rescue and allow us to have more of that nerd knob control that we're used to in the UI now becomes more of an API focused activity that allows us to change things under the covers that the UI may not necessarily give us that capability to do, which then continues to enhance the importance of APIs and making sure that as we do that kind of fine tuning, that whatever vendor we're selecting has fairly consistent APIs. And I think it behooves customers to not only consider the functionality of the APIs, but what's the stability of the APIs? How often do they change them? Do those vendors have policies around if we're going to deprecate something, if we're going to change something, you know, how many releases do we have to deal with that and be able to change any automation or integrations we may have? So lots of stuff to consider there. But at this point, we unfortunately need to finish this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. So thank you, Eric, Ron, and Kim for the great conversation. Also, thanks to iLand for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. And if you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on those podcast platforms. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Okay, as long as we're not uh, throwing Star Wars and Star Trek in there for Eric's purpose.